We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. Sam, 16 in a row. It's it's weird to even say out loud 16 in a row. How are you doing? Can't get much better than that, sir. Uh, this is a team that can do no wrong right now. And what a huge week we have coming up. Yeah. What an unfathomably huge week. And of course, I'm talking about that because of Thursday night's matchup versus the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> it's going to be absolute. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but, but yeah, a couple of like, we'll, we'll preview the games against uh, the Warriors coming up kind of in the second half of this episode, but briefly two games this week, if, if two you, games, you haven't this looked week. at the schedule. Yeah. Briefly. I will just say for this, for this part that it's probably like tomorrow night's game. Most people are going to listen to this tomorrow on Tuesday. It's the most I'm looking forward to a Suns game since the finals. It's yeah. just, it's massive consequences. Yeah. And it feels weird to say that about a regular season game, but I'm really, really excited. It's the biggest regular season game of the regular season of any two teams so far, period, because it's just, it's two games that are two teams that are, the Suns are obviously on one of the longest winning streaks that they've ever had. They could tie the longest winning streak in franchise history. If they beat the Warriors on Tuesday, and then the Warriors are just killing teams right now, absolutely demolishing teams. I've watched a lot of the Warriors to sort of prepare for this matchup, and they'll get two or three quarters in. It'll be close, and then just by the end of the game, they'll be up by 20, 25 points. And so these two teams are rolling, and they're going right up against each other, and there's a history there between Steph and Chris 
uh, Chris Paul, as we know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's enough there that it's going to be an easy one. And I think this Tuesday game is on TNT, too. Talk about a win as far as scheduling goes. But you joke, you joke about the Detroit Pistons being a big game. Recently, we covered some stats from this win streak. We talked about the last time the Suns had a 17-game win streak. What team beat them in that win streak? It was the Brandon Jennings rookie team with the Bucks that, that beat that team. So you never know who can end a win streak. Maybe it will be the Warriors, but maybe it will be uh, the Detroit Pistons just that, playing out of their mind for one game. That is absolutely true. Say what you will about all the shitty Suns teams we've covered in the past or just watched in the past. We actually only covered as part of this podcast, one really bad one. That was the 2018-19 season. But even during that season and other seasons like that, I still remember games where the Suns would just upset a contender randomly in the middle of the season. There were games where they took down the prime dynasty Golden State Warriors. I think there was one game where they took down the fully healthy Warriors with KD, with Mm -hmm. uh, uh, obviously Draymond Clay, and I think that was the season they had Boogie. And randomly, the Suns won with like probably Tyler Ulysses as starting point guard, Dragon Benders. But yeah. I don't remember anymore. But the, the point is, those sorts of things happen from time to time. So, yes, you have to take every opponent seriously. Um, and I could see Cade Cunningham going for a Brandon Jennings esque 50 point yeah. game personally. You know, Cade Cunningham is the Brandon Jennings of uh, this current era. <laughs> People have said that, right? Uh, oh. Quick announcement uh, Sam and I have teamed up with a company called Playback to do live analysis on games that we will be broadcasting through uh, their app called Playback. And you can access it by going to our Patreon and signing up for a Patreon. Any tier, $3, $6, or $10 if you sign up. We'll uh, send out a link before the game uh, against the Warriors. And Sam and I will join in the second half and uh, we'll be able to call the games, essentially. You'll see the same stream as us. We'll be all synced up at the exact same time. And we'll be able to talk over the game and give our live analysis. You can interact with us via chat, a text chat. You could also join us via audio or video and ask us questions live, maybe during commercial breaks, things like that. It'll be our first time for the Warriors game. We're very, very excited about it. If you're interested, go to patreon.com slash the timeline. We'll be doing the Warriors game Tuesday and uh, a couple other games throughout the month of December and hopefully a couple games every month. Sam, I know you're excited about it too, right? For sure. It's going to be super exciting. Um, All of the more specific info is on our Patreon, so if you just go um, to the Patreon, Mike, I'm sure you'll leave a link in the episode description. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the easiest way to find it. I just put out a post with kind of a little mini FAQ. Uh, But in general, yeah, I mean, just like for those, I guess, who, who if you're struggling to envision what it is, it's basically kind of like Twitch. Uh, except that we actually have the capacity, the capability to all be together watching a broadcast stream at the same time. And then it's just like Twitch where Mike and I will be streaming, we'll be talking um, at various intervals, and there will be a chat function. Uh, It should be a lot of fun. It should be a lot of fun. It's obviously an experiment. It's a program that is in beta testing. So that's part of the reason we were approached for this is because they're still very much figuring out, you know, working out all of the finer details. But I think it's going to be a blast. And we'll have to learn how to do that, too. I mean, we've watched right, games together. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we've watched games together in the past, luckily, just coincidentally, a few weeks ago. Uh, so we have some sort of chemistry there. But really, we had never really done it before until you came to Phoenix. So it's going to be for a sure. little bit of an experiment for us as well. Yeah, and I uh, think I, I would just warn people quickly. It's not going to be like a K-Ray, EJ type situation. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're going to enter the stream if you're interested in doing this, of course, signing up at the Patreon to, to get access to it. 
you're going to enter the room and there's still going to be a broadcast stream in the background, which you can choose to mute if you'd like. But you can also keep it on, hear all the crowd noise, hear the, the normal play-by-play and color commentators uh, announcing the game. So we're not, like, replacing that role. I'm, You, you know, you're not going to be Kevin Harlan right. tomorrow, Mike. No, but we're just going to be... I couldn't if I tried. <laughs> yeah, ob- obviously. And I think that's kind of why I'm saying this is because we're not professional commentators. It's just about getting in Suns-focused analysis which is something that I think we're in a unique position to do that, that frankly, frequently is lacking on the national broadcast, for example, like we're going to see tomorrow. And obviously the interaction with you guys, all of you will be there in the stream, which means all of you have access to the chat and can ask us questions or give your comments directly and we can address those. So I think it is kind of a unique opportunity that doesn't really exist in uh, honestly the rest of the sports industry right now. Yeah, I mean, really it's kind of taking from the Peyton and Eli broadcast for Monday Night Football. It's like an alternate version of the broadcast where you not can to get draw, very, very specific targeted audiences. Not to draw a comparison exactly between us and them, but... <laughs> I, I We're basically what, exactly like them, yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, and it's a really cool uh, app. You can actually adjust the volume between us and the uh, actual game feed, and there's lots of options for you there. Check it out if you're interested, and uh, we're excited. Hopefully, you're excited as well. All right, Sam. Today, Devin Booker was just named Player of the Week... After the Phoenix Suns knocked off both New York teams, the Knicks and the Nets, and you were able to go to the Brooklyn Nets game, you're once again undefeated at every game you go to this season, which Thank you. is impressive, but Thank less you. impressive when you realize they're 17 and three. <laughs> it would be hard to <laughs> see a loss fair. at that's, this point. That's fair. <laughs> um, but how was it? Do you have a good time? Well, in, in, in my defense for a second, can I say, like, we all went into that Brooklyn game. It was a back-to-back. They crushed the Knicks the night before, Mm -hmm. right? That was an awesome game, too. But then they go into Brooklyn, back-to-back. Here's one thing they had going for them, right? They didn't have to travel. You know, I think that makes a difference when you're not, Mm -hmm. like, hopping on the bus and going from, say, uh, uh, New York City to Philly or Boston or wherever, you know, the night after. They didn't have to travel, went right back to the hotel, came out for morning shoot-around, but then played a kick-ass game against the Nets. Like, I really expected to sweat during that game. In a way that the Suns coming out to a 20-point lead in the first half was just not at all <laughs> in the realm of possibility for what I was thinking when I took my yeah. places. But yeah, it was it was awesome. Just quickly about the arena. Uh, first of all, I feel a little bad because it is kind of a running joke in New York. It's, it's kind of a running joke nationally that the Nets don't have fans. The Nets do have fans. They're not like MSG fans. It's just it's an entirely different experience. But on this particular night... They sold out. It was actually a, a record set for the most tickets ever at Barclays Center since the wow. Nets uh, moved to Brooklyn in the past however long they've been there, like five, six, seven years. Um, it was a record attendance to see the Phoenix Suns. And I'm not going to entirely credit the Phoenix Suns with that because it was also just a Saturday night game. you know. Just, right. But however, I saw a lot of Suns jerseys in attendance. I really did. I saw a robust Suns presence. Uh, in the city and I imagine you know maybe some of those could be transplants some of those could be just out of towners I don't know but I was impressed with the level of representation <laughs> some of them could be bandwagoners too <laughs> maybe that yeah. we're starting to get but yeah. I was impressed with the level of representation we got in New York from the Phoenix fan base honestly right yeah I think the Suns are now at a point where if they're coming into a city and you're a Suns fan maybe you're from Phoenix or you've just been a fan for a while you're going to try to go to that game like, where you're not going to miss it. Like previously in previous years, maybe you skipped it when they came to town 
But now they're at the point where, I mean, after making the finals, you really want to show some love. And I think that's probably playing into it a little bit. I have yet to see them in another arena this year. That would be a fun thing. I looked into some, I was curious. I was looking at the cheapest tickets, like going to see them in Detroit and stuff like that. (laughs) I might do that at some point this year. I think that would be kind of fun, but when are you going to be in Detroit? I'd have to just go to for the game. You know, that's wild. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's an insane idea um real quick can i just rant yeah. about like because it's linked to the whole Suns fan presence thing i went to mm-hmm. the nba store they just renovated the nba store in downtown manhattan near times square and i went to the new store that just i think it just opened up within the past few weeks reopened it's really impressive in theory it's got three stories this was my first time so people know i'm in the state of new york i grew up right around new york city i haven't lived there in a while so this was my first time. I was just going down to visit family for the weekend. That's the background context. It was my first time in Manhattan since basically COVID. And the building is really impressive. It's three stories. The sun's display was, uh, unfortunately, Mike, very pathetic. And so if the, if the presence at the Brooklyn game has anything to say about it, I would hope that they can start getting some more Suns jersey sales or or they start seeing more demand because I posted side-by-side pictures on Twitter. There were uh, dozens of jersey options for the Lakers, obviously past and present. Dozens of options. Not just LeBron uh, and, and Westbrook and AD, by the way, but you could get a Carmelo Anthony jersey. You could get all sorts of jerseys <laughs> if you were a Lakers fan. If you were a Suns fan, I circled around the entire store, all three, all three floors, and I counted, past and present, Mike, the total number of Suns jerseys that I found. I found five players represented. Do you want to play a game with me and guess who those five players represented yeah. were? Because I guarantee at least one is going to take you off guard in okay. the entire NBA they, store in New York. I'm guessing they're not all current players. Three are current and two are former. Okay, I'm going to say Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. Correct. Is that right? Okay. Those were the three. Those were the three current players. Okay, and I'm going to say Steve Nash. Correct. And then lastly, I'm going to say Jason Kidd. That's honestly that's a a good guess, but it's not Jason Kidd. Do you want me to okay, give you a hint? Yes. Jason Kidd's backcourt partner. Marbury. Not Marbury because they were traded for each other. Oh, oh yes. Um, geez, I don't even remember who was on that team at the time. Steve it's, Nash was there. Uh, it's, Kevin Johnson. Not Kevin Johnson, although I think he, they were backcourt partners at one point. It's just the most absurd. Po- Penny, ha- Penny Hardaway. Oh, was, well, that's a great jersey. Yeah, was the okay. fifth Suns jersey. It was one of the retro ones. Where it was yeah. like a, one of the purple ones from like kind the of the purple. Yeah, that's that, for, that, for some reason that's kind of an iconic jersey. That interim period of like I want to say you know between like ninety eight and oh two or something. Like I don't know. I wasn't I, like. I was alive, but I was barely alive. You know what I mean? So I don't know exactly what that right uh, what year that was anymore. But yes, Penny Hardaway was the fifth jersey available. No <laughs> Charles Barkley. And it was funny like because I was looking around the rest of the store. There really was a pretty good selection of retro jerseys in general. But for right. a team that had just gone to the finals, I was disappointed. Well, you know, games like the game against the Nets where they all kind of show out and play really well. And then, of course, if they can do something in this game against the Warriors, especially because there could be some sort of sense of like impending meeting in the playoffs. Uh, that's, I think, how they become more of a sort of respected team. Of course, you know, there's been a conversation throughout this win streak about media coverage. Zach Lowe just talked about it on this 
his last podcast, 16 games in a row is nuts. Like it's legitimately insane. And, you know, it all leads to this Warriors game. And, and really media wise, there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of media watching this game. And it's going to be important for the Suns to play well in that game. And I think as much as the players pretend like the streak doesn't matter, I think they understand exactly what this means. They care. And they want to win every single they care. Yeah. I don't think I don't think it's real. And I've I think seen, you can you can say that you can kind of point at you saw a game in person. The way that Devin Booker has been playing lately, the focus that he's bringing to this game, uh, these games, uh, his efficiency, and even his intensity on defense, I think shows that they really, really, really want to win these games. I was just going to say, like, I know they're clowning around, but just look at the videos that, like, JaVale McGee has been posting on his Instagrams after the games, you know, guys dancing around in the locker room, chanting 14, 15, 16, whatever the number is. But, like, they know. They care. They're they're having fun with it. And, yeah, Devin Booker, maybe that should be the transition now. That dude's, yeah, he's on another level. Player of the week this week, 30 points a game in the week. Obviously, they went 4-0. 30 points on 20, basically 21 field goal attempts, which is insane. 53% field goal percentage, 56% from three, 90% from the free throw line in this stretch as well. 3.5 assists, the assists are down, which I think is not a surprise. Throughout Devin Booker's career, when the Suns go on an East Coast road trip, he seems to just take it upon himself to carry those teams to wins whether it be good teams like this year and last year or you know maybe a little bit the year before or even bad teams we've seen him there's the legendary game against the Philadelphia 76ers everyone knows what I'm talking about 46 course, points yeah dagger 3 in JJ Reddick's head yep yeah exactly there's a 70 point game against Boston for for whatever reason he does really 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 well on these east coast trips and now i think they they were of course rewarded with the wins and then he got player of the week it's i mean it's been really fun to watch him it's the east coast media bias revenge (laughs) tour that's become a yearly (laughs) tradition if you're a devin booker fan and it's so much fun and also mike leading three-point shooter on the phoenix suns devin booker we can say that now yeah because he is the lone player on this roster shooting about 40 percent from three-point range yeah Incredible. Uh, and it's that, all been there lately. Look at us. Like, it's all there. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> Pull-ups, catch-and-shoot, corner threes. Like, it's all been there lately. And, and you know, everything but the one that we know will never be there, which is the uh, trying to beat the clock, two-for-one three. It's <laughs> yeah. still not quite there, but he hasn't even been shooting that lately. He's getting other shots out of that. Uh, but, yeah, I think a big reason for his success lately is that three-point shot being there? And it doesn't look like it's coming in an unsustainable way. David Nash, our friend, wrote about it recently. More corner threes is a big part of it. And more playing in sort of the Mikel Bridges role in a lot of the plays that the Suns run, that means that he's sort of weak side, and those are the ones that end up being open. So more open threes for Devin Booker. So, you know, even though it might not be 41% or whatever he's at right now for the rest of the season... I think a higher three-point percentage is something that is probably sustainable for Devin Booker for the rest of the season. I think he could stay above 40% for the rest of the season, though. I'm I'm, dan- I'm dangerously close to just buying in. 
and uh, the I, thing i like it and and like this could be the turning of the corner and now i could look really dumb if he goes like oh for 18 from deep <laughs> in the next two weeks but this could be the turning of the page in his career that we've been waiting for at which mm-hmm. kind of everything else opens up and to that point mike here we are it's it's basically december the Phoenix Suns are 17-3. and three. They're still the second seed in the Western Conference, unfortunately. Devin Booker is averaging 24-5-5. and five. He just won Player of the Month. And he's going to keep racking up individual accolades like that as long as the Suns keep winning. As we know with Player of the Month from previous uh, seasons of watching Devin Booker, it doesn't matter if you average 60 points per game in a week. Uh, you're not winning player of the week if your team lost that week. That's how the award works. So, And, mm-hmm. and it works the same with, with, the, with the month. Um, if you win games, you win the award. Mm-hmm. Uh, where does where are we in the Devin Booker like best player in the NBA yeah. discussion? Not that he is the best player in the NBA. That's not what I'm saying. But it, it feels mean, yeah. it feels like he's rapidly ascending the rankings because the Suns can't lose. And the question is. How much is the media going to run with that narrative? Is it like before I feel like going into the season, I feel like it was Devin Booker and Chris Paul are two really good players who are both borderline all NBA talents. Some people had them ranked in the top 15. Some people had them ranked in the top 20. I don't think anyone really had them outside of there, right? But that that was kind of the consensus position. And as long as the Suns keep winning, I mean, Booker could be all NBA second team. Yeah. There are there are some guys who you would think would be locks for the All NBA second team in a regular year. Damian Lillard has been kind of ass this season. Is the first <laughs> example that I can think of. Like that opens up a guard spot right there. But to go even further, All NBA first team. Mm-hmm. Is there any possibility at a like yeah. when when would we start talking about it? Who else Who else would it be at this point? Like, like this, around this, the around the league, you're saying? Yeah, is it Harden? Well, it's, is that it's obviously so. I mean, it's obviously Curry, but you're talking yeah, about the Curry other, for the point guard. But like, say Devin Booker's the shooting guard. Who could be the I think competition? I think the competition Beal. is DeRozan and Levine are both having it, and I know they play. They literally are on the same team, so they play different right. positions. DeRozan, I guess, if you're counting him as a forward, he's having a hell of a season, and the Bulls are a good team. Yeah, which, but but like, he's not a marquee name. And mm-hmm. same, same with Levine, honestly. Like, if the Suns keep winning, I don't think Harden's competition. I don't think Lillard's competition with the way he's playing. Um, the Wizards are kind of coming back down to earth now. So, I mean, Beal yeah. is there. He's a talent. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, well, he obviously. He hasn't been great this year either. Right. Mitchell's obviously competition, but he hasn't been terrific either. I think a the lot of these... The more he shoots, the more they lose. A lot of these shooting guards are struggling with mm-hmm. the adjustment to the new rules. And one of the yeah. guys who has been least effective, even though he's only averaging 24 points, which in our... In in this era of inflation, be it basketball or otherwise, 24 points uh, per game doesn't necessarily feel like a whole lot anymore, mm-hmm. first team All-NBA-wise. But on a 60-win team, 25-5-5, and five, good efficiency, say he's around 60% true shooting when this all levels out. I don't know if he will be. He's under there right now, but let's just mm-hmm. say he could be. It's been going up. I don't know. It feels, yeah. like, it feels like this might be the year. It's, I, and I think to add to that, because these... Uh, actually these votes are not entirely about how the players play the narrative of coming off of the finals having a really incredible breakout performance from uh, his first playoffs uh, ever and then coming into this season absolutely focused when there could be an extreme amount of distractions I think that the narrative is a bit on his side 
over Zach Levine, which I know Bulls fans would hate, but that's that's just how these that's <laughs> I think honestly, um, it's how these go. It's, it's how it goes. I think that's a great point. I think you could build a bipartisan coalition between the stat nerds who are going to like the fact that he makes threes <laughs> now and cut down on his turnovers <laughs> and cut down on his turnovers. That's yeah. huge, too. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. 2.8 turnovers per game out of Devin Booker. Never thought I'd see the day. So that's one thing. The stat nerds love that. I, I am among them. But then you build the coalition with the 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 whatever the, the non stat people. nerds. Yeah. What, what would you call them? Narrative. What, what, kindly. People, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where you could build a narrative in there that says he's a hooper, basically. Right. <laughs> there's exactly. no better way yeah. there's no better way for me to describe it. What you were just talking about, coming off the finals, being yeah. motivated, working on his game, all of and that. And they're feeds. always a year late for like a lot of these awards you know? <laughs> right they the, yeah. all the the eye test people but that yeah. feeds into the whole hooper mentality yeah i'd see you know i i think you've got the votes if you need the votes you've got the votes i mean look we're 20 oh, yeah. games we're 20 games into the season we're talking about all nba which maybe well I'm, yeah I'm, i mean granted i'm jumping the gun he needs to continue hey, to play a, this well but that's a quarter of the way into the season and if he if he keeps this up and he keeps playing at, at this high of a level uh you know then at some point you're talking about where does he rank in the MVP conversation truthfully? And then how do you say that that player is not in first team all NBA? So it's, it's all about consistency, just like it is for the rest of the NBA or the rest of players on the Suns. It's all about consistency. How consistent can he, can he be with this type of production going forward? Um, But the thing is about the Suns that kind of hurts him sometimes is they just don't always need it. Sometimes they're rolling and Devin Booker can sit a little while in the second half or somebody else is on fire and he'll just sit in the corner and not take any shots for a quarter. And he's not right. the type of player to complain about that. So that you know, game where um, I don't even remember which one it was anymore, but sometime during this win streak, Cam Johnson led the team with like 20 yeah. points. What, what or game Frank was that? Kaminsky, 31 yeah, points. Fr- Frank Booker Kaminsky, that's stood in the corner for a whole quarter. Mm-hmm. It happens <laughs> for Frank Kaminsky, <laughs> which is pretty remarkable. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty amazing stretch for him and at this point you know it's fun to have the conversation about not only and I think we should talk about this at some point we're not really I'm not really prepared yet where he ranks as far as uh, in the NBA currently but like he is rapidly rising the ranks as far as best Suns players um, of all time and it'll be interesting to see where the fan base sort of feels he's at Dude. As far as best Suns players of all time, because there's been I some really, remarkable players. Another deep playoff run in a row. Like if he gets to back to back finals, which is obviously we know that's possible now. No promises, but it's definitely possible. It's uh, like he had three straight thirty point games this week, and he's already beaten that record. I feel like not enough people know that, right? Not yeah. not enough Suns fans even know Devin Booker already has the most thirty point games in a Suns yeah. uniform of all by time. A lot yeah. by a lot. Like he's already he already beat out. Obviously, Steve Nash was never much of a scoring threat. It wasn't that hard to get yeah. past him. But Charles Barkley only played with the Suns for four years. Yeah. Uh, uh, Amari was one of the top Amari ones. Amari was one of the top ones because he played here forever. But Booker's a better scorer than Amari. Honestly, I, I mean Amari had his moments. He had the one twenty six yeah. point per game season. I remember that vividly. But he's a better scorer than Amari overall. Walter Davis played with Phoenix forever. I think he may be literally number two. I don't have the list in front of me. But uh, was not never a score that that Booker is really. Yeah. I I don't think he ever had like a upper twenties type point per game season. And he played in the eighties when the pace was like five thousand possessions per game too, mind you. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, I, uh, Tom Chambers, great score, had a couple great yeah. scoring seasons with the Suns, but just not enough longevity. Like Booker yeah. in his second contract has already blown that record 
out of the water and imagine where he could be after another three or four years by the time he hits free agency again. I mean, mm-hmm. it might be it might be an untouchable record by the time he's all said well, and done. If you're talking about free agency, just quickly, if he does make an all-NBA team or, of course, gets MVP or something like that, uh, he could be eligible for a Supermax, Supermax extension as early as this coming offseason. That's o- insane. Only if he makes one of those te- teams. At which so, point he deserves it, so I don't well, care. Well, you just get, you give it to him in a heartbeat. Like You yeah. don't even think about it. He's still only 25 years old, and he's only been 25 years old for a month. Like He's still growing. He's still going to get better. And you don't even like you don't even blink if you're. I mean, Robert Sarver for all the mistakes he's made, he definitely understands the value of Devin Booker, and I think he would give it to him right away. Uh, it's just really up to Devin Booker as far as whether or not he trusts that this team can still compete at a high level post Chris Paul. Which, if James Jones is still around, I have a feeling that he would do that quickly. Before we get to previewing the two Warriors games this week, Mikael Bridges had a, sort of a banner week as well. He has been playing defense at another level from where he has been at any point in his career. The smartest defender guarding the best players on every team on a top three defense in the NBA. And I think sometimes people don't really understand the value that a single great point of attack defender can have on team defense. It makes such a Mm -hmm. massive difference that it's almost unquantifiable. I'm even going to talk about that in a minute when we talk about the Warriors, but well, because it's the perfect example. (laughs) Yes. Of why it's important. Yeah. Yes. The, so with Mikel Bridges, he was guarding James Harden, right? James Harden actually didn't score a single, I think he went zero for three or something. Well, uh, well, he was being guarded by Mikael Bridges, and he just could not get anything going. He also guarded Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant went one for three or something like that when Mikael was guarding Kevin Durant. We've seen him guard Chris Epps Porzingis in the same game as he was guarding Jalen Brunson, two drastically different players. All this to lead to me looking up his odds for Defensive Player of the Year. Just curious if he's even listed in the odds. And I looked at multiple betting apps, right? They're available in Arizona now. And I did not find a single one. Uh, the night of the game against the Nets. Of course, the next morning I checked and there were now odds for Mikael Bridges, Defensive Player of the Year, plus 12,000 were what the odds opened at for Mikael Bridges. So that's like if you give $10, you can get $1,200 back if he wins. Of course, this is not a bet I'm saying that you should make. But what I am asking you is to start that narrative. I think that begins with the Warriors... After what he's done so far, it's about how he defends Steph Curry, which is a little unfair. And this is what it takes for point of attack defenders because they're the ones that are on these star players at all times. That's that's why centers tend to win. Bigs tend to win. Help defenders tend to win because they just don't have to be on these guys at all times. They're just sort of benefiting from the defense funneling them into them. But what would it take, do you think, for Mikhail Bridges to be in that conversation? We've talked about first team all defense. And yeah. like I said, they're a year behind anyway, so he probably will get that not even be in the defensive player of the year conversation. But what would it take in your mind? Well, the, there's a reason the odds are what they are because yeah. it's a, a, a narrative-based award. We know that. It's a narrative-based award. And it's an award that typically goes to bigs because if we're being honest, just totally honest, bigs on average have more defensive impact than guards or wings on average. I, I do believe that's the yeah. case when we're talking about team defense traditionally and i know he's fun to make fun of for one reason or another but traditionally if you look at it like why a guy like rudy gobert has won the award so many times 
and just look at the on-off numbers <laughs> that he's had year after year with the Jazz, and specifically that defensive rating and what happens to it when Gobert is not on the floor. It's easy to make those types of arguments when when you just have that one guy in the middle who has all of that defensive gravity. However, there have been exceptions to the rule, and you look at uh, a guy like Kawhi Leonard, who in year four, the same year that Mikhail Bridges is in now, Kawhi Leonard won his first Defensive Player of the Year award uh, on the Spurs. They were a 55-win team, went to the finals that year, so obviously they were one of the best teams in the league. Kawhi led the league in steals at 2.3 per game. He also averaged 0.8 blocks per game. I think sometimes, even though those numbers don't necessarily mean a ton, it's important if you actually want to get the votes sometimes to just see that little, you know, that little bold 2.3 there next to Kawhi's name for this year that indicates that yeah. he led the league in steals. It matters right. to people. Does it literally matter that he averaged 2.3 steals versus 1.8? No, I don't really think, you know, Kawhi or Greg Popovich that season or anyone gave a fuck. But I do think it matters to the narrative. So for Mikhail, it's certainly possible, though. Just be, by virtue of being on a top four to five team in the NBA, which if that's where the Suns finish this year, in terms of record, and if we start the narrative, yeah. so uh, like like you said, I I think Suns fans underrate our ability to start a proper narrative at this point. Yeah, I I think we can be pretty effective if we put our minds to it. Right. Uh, but I would say all of that could go could go right. Exactly. And it would still be not above a fifty percent chance, but totally possible. They're a year they're a year behind. I, I speculated with you when you were in town here that I think they, they could give it to Giannis this year because I don't think they'll give him MVP. And I think they'll want to give him something because of how well he's playing. And that's the type of thing I could see happening. And they're All tired of, of these... they're they're tired of Gobert specifically yes, too. Exactly. Like, the Jazz are great the Jazz are good again. Like their net rating is actually really good, even if their record doesn't reflect it. They're gonna finish with fifty five wins probably, if not yeah. more. But they're just not doing anything special compared to the last few years, so that voter fatigue, I think, has set in. All of these narratives that we're starting right now could come crashing down if they get beaten or how they could get beaten by the Warriors. True. Uh, so obviously they would be maintained if they win. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll start previewing that game, those games, since there's two this week, because I think they're going to be really interesting. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Sam, two games against the Warriors this week. One on Tuesday, one on Friday, Thursday? Yeah, Friday. Friday. And uh, with a with a game against one of the worst teams in the NBA in the middle, the Detroit, the Detroit Pistons, which of course is the classic trap game uh, because if they're not focused on that one, everyone's going to want to stop the win streak if it's still going. Um, the Warriors are uh, really good, like really, really good. Uh, they have right now... Their defensive rating is under 100, uh, 99.4, which is the best defensive rating in the NBA by a mile, by a lot. Like the next best one, I think, in the stretch that I looked at was like 102. So like to compare it to that is that's a huge difference for those who don't follow uh, net ratings normally. That's a massive, massive, massive It's like a difference. full standard deviation probably. Ex- exactly. So, and, and, and Steph is playing like... Like Steph, like the Steph that we saw in the past. Like MVP you, Steph. We, MVP we can, Steph, we can exactly. say it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had a chance to watch the Warriors this year? What do you think? I have. I Look, I expected the Warriors to be good coming into this season. I had questions about some of the acquisitions that they made. Not that they didn't necessarily fit, but just, you know, how much juice does a guy like... Uh, Otto Porter or Nemanja Bielitsa like really have when you add them to or or Andre Iguodala for that matter you know those types of players when you add them to their bench so yeah. I expected them to be good on the on the power of Steph and maybe struggle a little bit out of the gate until they finally get Clay Thompson back around Christmas oh my god has that not been the case yeah <laughs> I did not expect this yeah, blowing best net rating in the league by a lot. Uh, you know, sort of almost doubling up the Suns, basically, uh, like a huge, huge difference in net rating. And um, they're killing teams. And I looked up the stats for the last ten games. I wanted to see some stats for the last ten games. And just out of curiosity, let's just read out. And I think it's an interesting contrast of these two teams, by the way. Steph Curry in the last ten, 10 games, essentially averaging thirty points a game, twenty nine point eight points a game. Andrew Wiggins number two, twenty two point four. Jordan Poole was I think the one of the main catalysts for them being this good so far this season. Basically, a new second best player, maybe third best player, um, uh, after Draymond, if you want to look at it that way, which I would. Uh, 17.9 points a game and just sort of lethal as far as creating his own threes, which is difficult to guard when you already have another guy like that. And then after that, no other players with more than 10 points a game in the last 10 games. So 29.8 for Curry. 22 for Andrew Wiggins, 17.9 for Jordan Poole. Contrasting that with the Suns, let me make sure I have 10 games here. The Suns have, do you want to guess how many players are averaging over 10 points on the Suns in the last 10 games? Six. Six, exactly. Yeah. Devin Booker, DeAndre, and Chris, <laughs> Devin Booker, DeAndre, <laughs> and Chris Paul, Mikhail Bridges, JaVale McGee, and Cameron Johnson. Wow. And then Cameron Payne just below that at 9.4. Jay Crowder, so, where is he? Jake Crowder is 8.7. So, like, yeah, these guys are just below that. And even Shaman at 7, like, you go all the way down the line, and that's the main nine guys that are playing now. 
uh, every single one of them is contributing in, in a pretty big way throughout this win streak, specifically the last 10 games, which I think they've really clicked in the last 10 games. I think what you look at when you look at that is the Suns have a really big challenge at shutting down the best, maybe the best scorer of all time in Steph Curry. And then two other guys that are really sort of killing it as far as scoring. And the Warriors have a challenge of sort of defending maybe the best ball movement team in the NBA that's mm-hmm. capable of hurting you in like a bunch of different ways. And I think that's a really interesting challenge for the Suns. And in in some small ways, maybe I'm wrong about this, benefits the Suns as far as regular season success. What do you think? Uh, well, yeah, it does benefit the Suns in terms of regular season success. More More depth always does that. Yeah. And, and and just because of this right here, like as we know, rotations tighten up in the playoffs. But right now, the Warriors get about 33, 34 minutes of Steph Curry. They're as heliocentric as it gets. Yeah. But they, when they get their 30, 33 to 34 minutes per game of Steph Curry, let me just read you the net rating numbers with Steph Curry this season. They're a plus 20.8 net rating with Curry on the floor. They're a minus 0.8 with him off the floor. So that's in those other 14 or so minutes per game. Their offensive rating without Steph Curry plunges from 100, like 16 something to about 100 points per 100 possessions, which frankly, is it's just not good. Mm. It's, a, it's a pretty bad offensive rating right there. He is the engine that carries this offense. And, and so, yeah, you're exactly right. It's a complete direct opposite approach to what the Suns are doing. But Curry is just, he's ridiculous. And so uh, the Suns will have more of a chance in any of these regular season games because anytime he's off the floor, they're just going to have, like, you know, Jordan Poole is a good secondary tertiary player. Andrew Wiggins is a good secondary tertiary type scorer. But put either of those guys in a position where they need to suddenly be the number one guy paired with the Suns bench, which is just a lot more dynamic um, in, in, in a lot of ways. And I think the Suns are at an advantage in the regular season. All that changes in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in if you look at this game just sort of in a vacuum, this is like a, a Mikael Bridges game, ultimately. Yes. yes, Because I think the Suns, it's pretty clear to me what the Suns are going to do. And for those who haven't really been play, paying really close attention to how the Suns are defending so far this year, here's how I would describe it. It's probably the most conservative drop scheme of the entire time that Monty's been coaching the Suns. And, and by that, what I mean is when DeAndre Ayton's on the floor or JaVale McGee, they're dropping back on pick and rolls and basically guarding the paint, guarding any sort of penetration, stopping the any teams from getting into close to the rim. And uh, previously, what the Suns would do, I think last season specifically, they would mix in some switching. So when a screen comes, DeAndre Ayton would switch onto the guard and uh, and then, of course, he could hold his own in some scenarios there. And I think they stopped doing that more and more as the season progressed last season. Uh, there are other options. They can trap. They almost never trap. They're more likely to double in the post. The Suns are not really a team that doubles a lot because they have so many good individual defenders or help defenders at the very last second. Uh, so what I'm saying is, if DeAndre Ayton drops in this game, which I have no reason to think that all of a sudden they're going to start switching everything unless something happens in this game. So to start this game, DeAndre Ayton's going to be playing in a drop position. Curry's going to be running around screens. The importance of Mikhail Bridges against Stephen Curry and what he can do to hurt you has really never been higher as far as winning in an individual game. Because there's not going to be that help there if Draymond, if I'm sorry, DeAndre Ayton is dropping back into the paint. That means he's not going to switch onto him. 
Mikhail has to fight over the screen and has to use his length to bother that shot as much as possible. And here's the truth. He's not going to be able to every single time. He's not going to be able to. It's just about making it as difficult as possible. He's not going to be able to most of the time. I, if, if we're being honest, I think if you approach this game, Steph Curry's taking a career-high 13-point-something threes per game. If you approach this game with the mindset of we're going to drop, you're dead in the water. I really think you are. I think it's admirable what the Suns have done with their defensive scheme to this point. They've been able to sleepwalk. Um, at, which is a phrase that I've used in the past, honestly, because it's sleepwalking. JaVale can do it. Even Frank Kaminsky can drop. Like, all of them are just so sound when the Suns play in that scheme. And it's a surefire way to beat bad teams. But now you're playing, it's a playoff atmosphere for the first time this season. And you need to treat it like you would uh, a real playoff environment because this is a team you very well may be playing in the latter rounds of the playoffs. That doesn't necessarily mean I think they need to switch every time. But... I don't know. We're going to we're going to see what the Suns do tomorrow. I think if you're not at least trying to show two to the ball every time that Curry comes around those screens, you are asking for just an incredible amount of trouble. I don't from, know. From the opening tip. I, I think I, I understand what you mean by that, because we just, you know, talking about the scoring in the last 10 games, they're being carried by Steph and you you're sort of forcing other guys to beat you in that scenario. But you're forcing those other guys to beat you four on three. Which, if you're showing two guys at Steph when he comes around those screens, which is just really difficult. And, I, and for the record, we're talking about switching on screens and stuff like that. They don't really run ball screens. They don't run pick and rolls the way that the Suns do. They do occasionally right. do that. But we're right. talking about Steph sort of running around dribble handoffs, which I think it becomes even more difficult to find times well, to trap. I'm, no, not that, sure if I, I, I'm not sure if I think a drop is... is not the right way to go. I'll be okay. Honest. So that was that was interesting for a couple of reasons. So first of all, you're right about the fact the Warriors' offensive scheme is very different. One thing that's just fascinating about the Warriors, if you just look at their stats, Steph Curry is taking six catch and shoot threes per game this season. It's uh, the second most catch and shoot threes he's taken throughout his career. Which, by the way, he converts at a 47% clip overall, which is fucking absurd. But so just like consider the the gravity of what that stat means for a second. Here's a guy who is the consensus best player, the uh, sorry, the consensus best shooter on the planet and has been for half a decade. And he can still find the open space to take six, not pull-ups, which are difficult off the dribble makes, six catch and shoot threes per game, which he converts at like a 50% rate. It's just automatic buckets. The fact that he can still do that says a lot about, honestly, what the, the Warriors playmaking, their vision as a team, uh, what Curry's back screening can do within their Draymond offensive Green. sets. Draymond Green. Uh, honestly, yeah. it says a lot about Steve Kerr, too. For as much yeah. as Warriors fans have wanted to give Steve Kerr shit for the past two seasons about their offensive scheme, it says a lot about Steve Kerr and, and his ability to bounce back from those seasons coming into this year. The fact that Steph Curry can do all that. It's going to be tough, man. It's going to be yeah. really, really tough. You know, I think there's no, there's no great. I think there's no I'd, great way to defend this team when Steph Curry's on the floor. It's just you're, you're just picking your poison. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I disagree. I don't know what Monty's going to do, but I disagree with you on the whole drop thing. I think you got to show two to the ball, and what's going to happen after that is because you already said it. You're you mean leaving from the jump. They're going to show two to the ball. Because that's well, what I don't think they're. No, gonna here's do. what think, they're. Here's what they're going to do. First of all, they're going to throw different looks at them throughout the game. Because yes, Curry's that's, too I think I agree. This with, is yeah. this is actually what they're going to do. It's it's too uh, uh, reductionist for us to just say they're going to do this, they're going to do that. When you actually play teams like this, 
at such a polished level as is the NBA, you're throwing different defensive schemes to try and throw guys off continuously. But I think the the show two to the ball strategy works better because, yes, you're going to leave the short roll there for Draymond, and we yeah. know he's a great playmaker. Yes, you're going to have the three-on-two, the, the four-on-three mismatches after you get the ball out of Curry's hands. But here's the thing, Mike. Anyone else gets the ball in their hands on this Warriors team, you're putting a lot of faith. Here's what you're doing. You're putting a lot of faith in the Suns' wing rotation to be as versatile as possible, to scramble really well on the perimeter, to basically master their X-outs, which is, for those who don't know, is when you get a defense in rotation and you're scrambling, an X-out is a way of basically taking the most efficient path back out to recover onto open shooters, which is not always going onto the guy that you started uh, the possession guarding, but sometimes it's about making these read and react plays within the flow of the defense. So you're trusting in all of your wing defenders to be versatile, guard multiple positions, X out, scramble really well. If there's any team that can do that yeah, against the Warriors at this point, it's the Phoenix yeah. Suns. If there's, I, any I team, that, yeah. if there's any team that you can maybe have faith could do that just well enough, because here's yeah. the thing. If you can scramble, if, if you put two on Curry when he comes around the pick, whether it's an off-ball screen, an on-ball screen, whatever. They get the mismatch. But if you can scramble well enough to prevent them getting the wide-open three, there is no one else on that Warriors team that I really feel nervous about trying to create for themselves with the ball in their hands. Jordan Poole, all credit to him. He's had a good season. Andrew Wiggins, you know, cutting out uh, more of the long twos, taking more of the threes. He's having the most efficient season of his career. So credit to him as well. But I just am not worried about those guys having to beat me if I can get out to them fast enough and just make sure that they don't have the catch and shoot threes. Force them yeah. to create stuff off the dribble. And obviously Draymond can't do it. Uh, Looney can't do it. So if you can get the other guys to have to try and beat you, I think it's your best chance. Yeah. Um, for any Warriors fans who are listening to this for a reason to get mad, it's not that I. It's not that we're not afraid of those guys beating us because they're in, completely incapable of it. It's just that it's a better option than letting Steph k- kill you, uh, because he absolutely will. He's cutthroat like that. And I think um, quickly just to explain X outs too. Uh, when you trap on the ball, you're essentially putting two defenders on one player. That means there's three on four. Those three defenders that are not on the ball are essentially moving into a zone defense. They're trying to stand in the position that they're close enough to the offensive players that wherever the ball swings, they can make it out on time to properly contest and give the players who are trapping time to rotate out to the ball once the ball leaves the trap. So if you're able to picture that, it's essentially like a quick version of a zone defense. Yeah, it's like a a really brief transitory five-second zone defense yeah. Because essentially what you're doing is each possession is a game of musical chairs defensively, right? The the traditional way that you play help defense uh, on pick and rolls in the NBA is you have guys uh, who will sink or fill into the lane. And then sometimes guys start cutting around on the perimeter on offense and you lose your assignment. So if you're yeah. the defenders, you have to make really quick, fast decisions about, okay, I lost my original assignment. Let me just find a man. This is the closest man that I can find. And NBA players, like, you know, one of the things that it's just really hard to scout for, I feel like, is just the intelligence, the the basketball IQ to be able to make those read and react decisions again and again and again with precision and communicate to your teammates that that is exactly what you need to do and you need to be on the same page. But it's just yeah. one more area where the Suns continuity helps them. Jay Crowder and Mikhail Bridges, Mikhail Bridges is going to start the night on Steph Curry. But, you know, Jay Crowder is going to guard him every other possession or Cam Johnson when he's on the floor or Devin or Booker. Or Booker. Yeah. And 
every single guy in the wing rotation with the Suns, when I talk about X-outs, has gotten really good at this point, I think, at yeah, communicating I think it's probably, seamlessly. It's probably the thing that Devin Booker has struggled with the most in his career, is that sort of playing off-ball defense when there's multiple decisions to be made. And it's also the thing, I think, that in the last few games, he's shown like an extreme focus uh, to, to play really well at, like specifically the Brooklyn game, because with Brooklyn, if you're not Xing out properly, because somebody like Kevin Durant or even James Harden can draw two defenders so easily. If you're not playing proper X outs, if you're not zoning up properly on shooters, once that happens, they're going to kill you with threes. And Booker was really, really good in that Brooklyn game. And that type of effort, that type of energy, that type of focus has to carry on through to this game against Golden State because they're a perfect example of another team that can kill you. By the way, we're talking about how difficult it is to defend them and without Clay. So you can imagine why people are talking about the difference when Clay shows up because that's just a guy who's just an absolute knockdown shooter in a third of a second when he releases that shot. So it's a big difference in, in what you have to do against them there. And I think you're right. I, I still think they're going to start in a drop. I just have that feeling. I just think it's something that Monty's going to do. But here's what I will say. Last season, it's essentially every game started with the Suns focusing on the thing that they did, right? Uh, and what that by that I mean like a normal drop defense with DeAndre, and they didn't start switching. They would do that, right? They would switch, but usually it was some sort of adjustment that they would make at some point during the game. Sometimes it would trap as well. Uh, you know, other options on defense they could do. But like this year, it's really been mostly a drop throughout the year. But one thing I will say is they still have changed things up. And here's an example. James Harden on the Nets, Mikael Bridges, for I think maybe one of the first times ever, was guarding him 90 feet, <laughs> like full court press on James Harden, bothering him getting the ball down the floor and just kind of forcing him into turnovers because he was so desperate to get off the ball with somebody chasing him up and down the floor. That, to me, is the type of thing that could happen. I think the Warriors are much, much better at just sort of giving up the ball right away and getting Curry into those off-ball movements. But if you're just making him a little bit more uncomfortable here and there, I think that's the type of thing that they could do from the beginning of the game, which I think is not necessarily an adjustment that comes later, which I think they have done a lot of in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do you have any other thoughts on, on what it's going to be like to, to defend them? Um. Well, I, he, uh, here's one thing I can say. I was scanning for any morsel of evidence I could find of the Warriors being bad this year. Like, <laughs> just I was like, just give me a stat that they struggle in. And I found one, and it's a really important one. Do you know what it is? No, what? The Warriors rank 28th in the NBA in turnovers per game. This yeah. really shocked me. The Warriors averaged 16 turnovers per game, close to dead last in the league. And typically not the type of stat that you would think a team could be that bad in and still be 18-2. and two. Yeah. But as we talk about the Suns playing defense, I mean, two things. A, the Suns have been more aggressive this year. We just saw it with Mikhail Bridges and his seven steals against Brooklyn. Uh, the Suns, have, they've been more aggressive in playing the passing lanes, that is. Mm-hmm. And B, this is why you, you prepare and start playing a faster pace, right? So that you can go into a game like this where if you know you can pressure a team's ball handling a little bit more and get out in the open floor, well, that's what all that practice was for so that you can put it to use against an elite team like this 
and maybe give them a chance to to win. Meanwhile, the Suns are obviously very, very careful with the basketball. Frequently, you know, I I think they still have the best assist turnover ratio in the NBA, I would imagine. I haven't checked in a little while. But if it's not the best, it's very close to the best. Um, And then, yeah, the Warriors surprisingly struggling in the turnover department. Maybe an area of weakness. Yeah, I think the probably the reason the Warriors can get away with that and still be a good team is because they can have more turnovers turnovers and still win the sort of points off turnover battle. Because one, they have really good transition defense, and two, they they just kill you if you turn the ball over. Live ball turnovers against them is a three on the other end. It's not, you know, it's not just getting to the rim. They can turn it into a three incredibly fast. And so for the Suns, who have a very very good transition defense that's going to be a major focus for this team so obviously take care of the ball as much as possible and then transition defense whether it be you know on rebounds turnovers or even makes because they can push the ball on makes and just catch you off guard they need to be really focused in transition that's going to be a huge 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 thing uh for them uh jordan Poole, i think is going to be interesting because like what the what the suns do defensively how they match up against this team is going to be really interesting because are they going to put Devin Booker on Wiggins to start this game and have some version of, you know, Mikael Bridges on Steph, Jay Crowder on Jordan Poole, you know, or are they going to switch that up, have Devin Booker guarding Jordan Poole and that's going to be, you know, something where he needs to be very focused off ball if that is the case. 18 points a game is a lot. 57% true shooting percentage on the season two. It's not like a coincidence. It's very efficient. Here's um, as well. Well, what here's a think? good here's a good question. Who's Chris Paul guarding? Because yeah, he can't he can't really guard. I mean, I know you want to. You're almost tempted to say, "Well, put him on Draymond." Draymond's a non-shooter, but he can't really <laughs> he can't really do that. Right. He I mean, can't. The only re- way you would do really that if you're planning that. on switching and then you, him just sort of holding his own against Steph. Which means your only choice is to put him on because you're not going to put him on Looney either. Your only choice is to put him on one of the secondary tertiary type scores, yeah. both of who Jordan Poole or Andrew Wiggins could potentially punish him. Yeah, it's it's probably got to be Poole at this point, which is just, it's kind of fascinating because that could end up with Devin Booker sort of matched up against Draymond. You would imagine it would be Jay Crowder, but I'm, I'm not exactly sure how they're going to do that. It's not the easiest team to match up with, but... Yeah, I think it's got to be Poole at that point because Wiggins, you know, for all he does do, he, first of all, he scores more than Poole, but also he has post moves. He's got strength. He's incredibly athletic. You you want somebody stronger against him than, uh, you know, Chris Paul. <laughs> you know, even though Chris Paul, if you're baiting them into posting up Chris Paul, it's probably the best case scenario <laughs> for the Suns. It's just going to beat the hell out of him over the course of a game if that's something that they ended up doing. Wiggins, by the way, if people haven't been paying attention, is just a straight up good defender now. Like it's not even he's good in stretches. It's not, you know, we, he has the potential to be good. He's just good. He's a good defender now and that's another good defender on the Warriors to match up against the Suns. We focus very much on defense, which this team forces you to do is to focus on defense. They also have to defend the Suns and they have the best defensive rating in the NBA so far. I think the Suns offensively actually match up pretty well, at least against the starters for this team. Uh, So I guess I'm not overly concerned offensively, but, you know, it is the best defense in the NBA, so they could stop anyone. But how do you feel about how the Suns are going to play offensively? They are the best defense in the NBA. Draymond continues to quarterback them on that end. However, they're undersized. You can leverage that to your advantage a little bit between Curry and Poole. 
Um, and even Looney, not the best defensive rebounder out there. So I think this is also a game where maybe DeAndre Ayton. Um, I don't know. We should talk about him because this this is an interesting matchup for for DeAndre because it's you know you think of a guy like Looney and you don't necessarily think. Um, well, there's no way that he's going to score 15 or 20 points on the other end. Like, Aiton isn't going to have to worry about defense in that sense in this game. Mm-hmm. But these have been, ironically, sometimes the games in Aiton's career where he struggled against a bi- energy bigs. You know, like a, a particular niche type of big who can just maybe isn't that naturally talented, doesn't have like the same scoring touch that Aiton does, but just brings the energy and focuses the defense and and the hustle and the rebounding in a way that Aiton hasn't always been able to match. And so yeah. it's going to be very important that he can uh, in this game. I think if he does, we know he's a terrific offensive rebounder. I think this is the type of game where he could yeah. feast on the offensive glass for sure. Yeah, especially if they go small. They do start loony. Like, they, they do start big. Uh, but if they go small, which you imagine they will at some point, that's the way to get their best five players on the court, then Aiton's going to be... Uh, vital at that point and it is interesting you know where i was messaging our friend from the light years podcast blue wire warriors podcast uh sam his name is sam as well sam uh but he actually resident public enemy number one to Sun's <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> it's funny because i really like him and get along with him and he's been great to us yeah. uh, on this podcast um but he's like us in that uh he's okay sort of antagonizing fans of other teams which i think makes people sometimes feel a certain way which i'm okay with you know sure if i want sometimes i'm okay being the face of the enemy for a lot of other fans like denver fans right you You know it's we do the same shit don't dish it out if you can't take it basically exactly he tweeted out a question for warriors fans what worries you the most about the matchup with phoenix there was a joke answer which is what worry hashtag arrogant season or whatever but the three other ones are perimeter Dion, steph eight and rebounding and then just booker and the Aiton rebounding one is the one I think they, or just Aiton in general, and then in, in quotes or sort of parentheses, rebounding, et cetera, just Aiton. And that's the number one thing that they were worried about. I think it's funny because if you really pay attention to the Warriors, one of their best things is turning that kind of matchup into a benefit for the Warriors. You know, like making a team try to keep a big on the floor and then the Warriors punishing it. And this is why I sort of disagreed with, I think they're going to put him in a drop because that's where he benefits the team the most. If you're ending up switching, you could trap, but if you end up switching a little too much, then it's essentially eight and guarding Steph, which is just not great for him. No, I don't think, uh, yeah, I wouldn't do that. And I don't think they're going to do that. For the yeah, record. yeah, exactly. But it is kind of interesting that they, they do view that as their biggest challenge as far as what his poll says, which with over 2000 votes so far, um, and it's interesting, and, and it could be, look, this is going to be one of those tests for DeAndre Ayton, a test of, we've talked about it often, he gets up for big games often. This is the this is the biggest regular season game the Suns have had in Devin Booker's career. <laughs> I don't know how else to really say that it's not. Definitely DeAndre Ayton's career. Everyone um, is watching. Everyone's watching. Get hyped. And, and they're all looking for a reason to discredit the Suns. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what are. makes it that's what makes it terrifying. But also just like everyone is going to be watching tomorrow, dude. I think the East Coast people are going to stay up for it. And it's at fucking 1030. Yeah. I mean, it's a fascinating. Game, I shouldn't so. be. I said at the beginning of the season, I wasn't going to stay up for games this late. The yeah, only reason I'm doing it. Not? Yeah. The only reason I'm doing it is because they're going for the record. 
If they weren't yeah. going for the record, I'd, I'd be in yeah. bed for sure, dude. I was yeah. supposed to and watch. Now we're games calling on, it. <laughs> I was supposed to watch games on replay this year, man. This was going to be the first season that I did that. The Suns have totally screwed that up. <laughs> Goodbye, uh, sleep schedule. Yeah, yes. it's going to be. It's going to be a fascinating matchup for that. You know, one quick stat I saw, and here's something I think they could do. Gary Payton's son is on the Warriors this year. I don't know if people knew that. Yeah, um, and he's a he's a really good defender. Like a, he's a really he, really good defender. He's a really good defender. Can can I give my take on that? He's basically he's a really good defender. Makes all of the right hustle plays. Has amazing awareness. But he's also basically Shaq Harrison in a big market. I just want to make it clear. And oh I yeah, st- I, you know there are certain guys well, out there. Yeah. I'm just saying. You should love him for that, then, right? Oh, I do love him, but yeah. also I feel a little bit. Well, you know, I, you I don't just know. want to rep Shaq, huh? Well, <laughs> well if Shaq was on the Warriors or Shaq was on the Suns right now. Like he would be doing something very similar. It's he would be doing context. something exactly like that. Also, the fact that Gary Payton is, he, you know, like Warriors fans mention him or I don't want to throw Warriors fans into the bus necessarily. But, you know, like people in the media mention him like he's like he was just went undrafted this year. He's 29 years old. Yeah. Like he's exactly the type of Shaq Harrison type journeyman who a lot of those guys exist. And then they get credit in some markets and not others. But I am a fan. I will say that for sure. I'm a fan. Well, here's the stat. He's number one in net rating of individual players in the Warriors so far. That's absurd. Uh, it is absurd because they have, you know, he plays less minutes than other guys. So it, you know that plays into his benefit so far. But he makes a big difference. He's one of the examples of what a single great point of attack defender can do for a team. And what we've seen since the playoffs and what we've seen sort of throughout Chris Paul's career, but I think it was amplified by the way Drew Holiday defended Chris Paul, is players defending Chris Paul up and down the court, 90 feet, basically bothering him, playing that full court press, trying to make uh, him get rid of the ball earlier and get out of their sets. And I think that's something that we're going to see with Gary Payton Jr. uh, against Chris Paul in bench lineups and I could even see it extending into the end of the game if it's something that works well for the Warriors just sort of forcing Chris Paul to get rid of the ball a little earlier one thing I will say is the Suns uh, definitely 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 understood that that was going to happen this year and they've worked some things into their specific plays that allow other players to bring the ball up and the ball get into Chris Paul's hands other ways. So they're a little more prepared for that than they were last year because of how it affected them in the finals. Uh, but I could see that happening, which is Gary Payton harassing Chris Paul um, his entire way down the floor. What do you think? Yeah, it's going to happen. He's their version of Javon Carter, but just bigger and better. <laughs> so it's maybe not as much of a shooter as Javon was when. Well, he's when he much stronger years, and insanely athletic. Yeah, <laughs> insanely yeah, yeah. athletic. Much more of a dunker for sure. Yeah, and then they have another guy we haven't even talked about, Andre Iguodala, who's just another one of those guys who he's he's also who? I think he's number number two in net rating on the Warriors so who, far. Who, who is that? I never heard of him. <laughs> yeah, uh, he. We, I wanted him on the Suns. Imagine if he replaced Torrey Craig. That's what I desperately wanted. Hey, um, <laughs> but one man—that's another uh, guy that can come in. Man, one you, you could see Iguodala is another man's Jared Vanderbilt, as they say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could see Iguodala at the end of this game guarding Booker. You know, he's going to be placed on Booker at some point of the game, and just you know that one of those classic things where Iguodala is in the game entirely to shut down a single player. And I think the best case for the Suns in this game in these two games 
is Booker being completely unstoppable. It just is because this is a really, really good team. And when you're playing a really good team, similar to the playoffs, similar to the finals, whatever you want to say, the stars kind of have to carry you. Yes, they can win with depth and they could just sort of come out and just move the ball around really well and win. Yes, that could happen. But sometimes you just need someone to rise above and that's kind of the best case scenario for the Suns. And I'd like to see that for Devin Booker. Any last thoughts on this game? Well, Chris Paul is going to be motivated by rage as well. So that's the <laughs> Which other. Which is good and bad, right? That's the other variable there. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I certainly I'm rooting for him. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Very much looking forward to these games. One thing I will say, just to give a little perspective, I spent years enjoying the Warriors because the Suns were bad. And now when I watch them, they just fill me with rage. I get so mad (laughs) because I'm like, how can they keep doing this? And I started to understand how other teams just hate them so much Um, because now they're the team that the Suns need to get past in order to make it to the NBA Finals. And they're filled with players that just are incredibly frustrating. Uh, So for, for the Suns, I'm desperate for them to win these two games. Of course, they can get to, you know, uh, 19 wins this week if they beat the Warriors twice and then beat the Pistons in between, which is just the longest win streak. 20, uh, actually, right? Yeah, 20. Wait, no, am I wrong? No, 19. 17, no, no, 18, no, 19. 19. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, uh, which is remarkable that they could even get there. Um, so, obviously, I'm desperate for them to win, but also just sort of beating that demon that Chris Paul has with the Warriors. It would just be nice to be viewed as the favorite in that matchup for the first time in Chris Paul's career. I'm looking forward to the game. Anything else you got before we go, Sam? Join us on playback. Should yeah. be fun. Very hashtag, fun. Hashtag ad. See you guys tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> patreon.com slash the timeline. Appreciate you guys. We'll be live tomorrow. Back with a Patreon episode sometime later this week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.